What's up everyone? It is December 17th, 2019. Welcome into this edition of Washington Football Crunch. We've got the early signing day coming up this Wednesday and pretty much the entire 2020 classes for UW and WSU will be signing on that day. So Jackson, who would you say is the biggest name in the WSU 2020 class? Why you why you ask? You you know just as well as I know. Everyone else know. knows. <laughs> Jaden Delora is the gem of that class. You don't need you don't need to ask me that. We all know. But what makes him play different coy. than previous WSU quarterback commits? Because I mean we've got Cam on Cooper, he's old news now, Gunnar Cruz, no, he wasn't no, that cool. No, what no. makes this guy so cool? That's is it for, is uh, it, that's the same high school that produced like Marcus Mariota? Is that it, what it is? Well, that, yeah, that certainly has an element <laughs> to it. Cool. I, I mean, the thing is, a lot of it is just selling hope until <laughs> he does show up and then you realize, okay, this kid is still 18. There's still a lot of things to work out here. And that's kind of what happened like with Cam Cooper, Gunnar Cruz, not saying they're bad, you know, quarterback prospects, but they show up and then you realize what you, you watch them play over the course of several days. It's like, oh, Okay, like I see why they did well in high school. I can see why they, you know, they dominated at that level. But then you get here and and there's just so many different variables, the speed of the game and among all the the new concepts that they're trying to learn as, you know, leading the air raid offense. So it just it kind of really throws a, a huge curveball at at these kids. So we got to we got to see what happens until he actually gets there, but for right now just the signing day, it's just selling hope. And you got to like what you feel with Jaden Delore because the story is there, you know, from St. Louis High School. No shortage of bad or great quarterbacks who came from there. Great people so, in general, yeah. Yeah, um, Difference you know? makers in the world. And and also, uh, just like have a little bit of built-in loyalty on both sides now to start it out because he had interest from in Ohio State and USC at kind of raised his profile a little bit in the eyes of the fans yeah and the fact that he stuck around like that's something that's you know very easy to get behind exactly and like in like this year's quarterback room I mean in the preseason it was all about Anthony Gordon and Gage Gubrud in the regular season it was just Anthony Gordon nobody else was even talked about but I feel like you know we talk about Gunnar Cruz and Kamon Cooper they are this year's ver- like they are what Tinsley and Gordon was last year, if that makes sense. Like, because everybody was talking about Gardner Minshew last year, but then yeah. you had these two up and comers that were in a heated but competition to be the quarterback of the future. Let's not forget what we learned this year when you try and place the narrative of the previous <laughs> quarterback battle into the next one. It never goes the way it's supposed to. You know, Gage Gruber was supposed to be Gardner Minshew, and that never happened. So I think you got to be particularly careful with trying to make that same assessment. But I mean, yes, you do have two quarterbacks that were that, but they knew that those two guys were going to be gone. Just like um, last year, Tinsley and Gordon knew that um, Minshew was going to be gone. So that's what I mean. Like these are two guys yeah. that are going to be back. Uh, they're younger than what Tinsley and Gordon were last year. But they also what they also probably have coming is the possibility of another grad transfer. You know, that's certainly on the table. How yeah. could it not, how could it not be? But it hasn't. It, it still hasn't picked up steam. As of right now, it's going to be Gordon. Uh, it's going to be Cruz. It's going. Uh, sorry, not Gordon. It's going to be Cooper, Cruz, Delora, and then I guess Bledsoe if he's still going to come back. Yeah, yeah. I would. I would definitely say Bledsoe is is a dark horse candidate because simply by the fact that I have I have seen him play before, and I was actually. Fairly impressed, like with what I saw from from a walk on. What was that? A re- walk on freshman 
John Bloodsoe. He has been around for the longest, I would, I suppose, out of the rest of the quarterbacks. Yeah, technically, yeah. So, you know, and a lot of that is just the mental side of it and just the con- conceptualizing uh, the air raid offense and, and making it easily accessible for you. And, and you know, I, so I, th- I think he could p- perhaps and, and be better at that than the other quarterbacks but i don't know so i mean well, let's focus on the lore right now i mean yeah. you the way you see it right now is it's going to be cruz versus cooper and the lore is kind of a and, dark horse third contender yes, right yes. now it, it's not gonna i mean it's not gonna be like unless totally unless even. they go get a grad transfer yeah yeah and then the, th- the big three well. will be cooper Cruz, the grad transfer, and Jaden Delora will assume the role that you know Gunner Cruz little took scout team work <laughs> last this year, and then Cam and Cooper was last year. So I mean, which isn't bad, you know, that's not a bad position to be in. And I think all it would take is a Cam and Cooper being successful and proving that, like, hey, you know, just because you had to sit out two years to kind of observe, doesn't mean that you're not, you know you still aren't the four-star guy that you were coming out of high school. Like, you can still be a great quarterback and have all that time, um, which, I, which you know, we'll see. Because, like, don't you think that could probably turn away some quarterbacks, some prospective, you know, WSU quarterbacks, seeing these two young guys who are pretty well-regarded have to sit for two years, two, maybe, maybe more? Do you think that's a consideration, though, ever for Coach Leach, or do you think that that's not something that concerns him? No, I don't think it concerns him at all. I think that's kind of, you know, what he would say irrelevant and kind of just like an irrational thought. I would say he's a little too stubborn to make that kind of, you know, assumption that when you keep taking these grad transfers, there's less appeal to be a high school kid coming out, you know, coming out and go. And let's be honest, like, that is ultimately where you're probably going to get your best quarterbacks, you know, is is at a high school. Yeah. But, you know, for a plug-and-play one-year guy, maybe that's that's not the case. And and how, just how long, what how what kind of sustainability is just each year, one-year plug-and-play guys? Mm-hmm. You, you wonder. It makes me think of, though, like, I think everyone's favorite, like, cliche about quarterbacks is, like, the most successful like quarterbacks, though, wouldn't care. if they're, that's You true. know what I mean? Like would like they're the most likely position group to bet on themselves, you know that sort of stuff. Yeah, but I don't know if that's necessarily true, not just anymore. But I think it's a huge generalization. Yeah, there's a there's a certain element of self confidence, but then there's also like logic and you know reason. You know, like you look in a quarterback room, and it's like okay, I'm good, but these guys are also really good, so there is a chance that you know it's not going to work out for me. I don't, you know. And there's plenty of examples of that. There being still true. has to be that, yeah, in the back of someone's mind, even no matter how good you are of a prospect. So a quarterback that definitely has that attitude is Ethan Garbers. He is on paper going to be the UW's 2020 QB commit. And uh, he recently wrapped up his high school season, which I think is just crazy. Like, California's got to look into this. Uh, his, uh, Ethan Garber's team played 16 games, went 16-0. They started, their first game was mid-August, and they just wrapped up this past Saturday. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like, ridiculous. Yeah. That's just not fair. They just like, played an NFL schedule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is, and, yeah, that is pretty unbelievable. And then they get in, they're probably going to get invited to play like a Florida team in like a high school bowl game or something like that, the Geico. Do the full 17. <laughs> play on ESPNU, yeah. <laughs> I know, seriously. But yeah, yeah. Dude, Ethan Garber's another like – 
I don't know. I, I think the Jake Browning comparison, you know, obviously Northern California record setting kind of guy. Um, yeah, he is like you said on paper, at least slated to be the guy, the quarterback or the guy that the Huskies bring in as a quarterback next year. I have a question. Yeah. Do you think that the quarterback drama on Montlake ha- is in the a thing of the past, or do you think we have just seen the beginning of the QB drama that is going to unfold for many years into the future? That's a good question. Many, I like kind of think. Next I don't know about. Um. Yeah, that's a really good question. You know. What do you mean by uh, drama? Do you mean like this lack of depth in the quarterback room, just, or just, just the a quality lot of, of names? A lot. I think. Of I think it's yet to like. I think candidates. it's just beginning. Yeah. Like you said, not that it's like going to be a problem, you know? Yeah. Like, but I think there'll be like, you know, there, like you said, there's a lot of names, a lot of guys with NFL aspirations. I mean, not that that's unique, yeah. but and, well, uh, yeah. And you have multiple deserving candidates. Like you're telling me that, but like, yeah, if you told me that in 2021, there will be a quarterback room with Ethan Garbers and Jacob Sermon and Sam Heward and Dylan Morris. No way. And all of them were content. Like, you know what? Like, may the best man win, and I'll be, I'd be happy to yeah. hold the clipboard on the sideline <laughs> and signal in plays for the rest of my career. Like, no chance. You know what I mean? You might get one of them out of the, out of those four that's okay with being that guy. Yeah. And that's if you're lucky. Yeah. No, I mean, these guys are going to want to to play. play. Yeah. Yeah. And but that's you, like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I could foresee like, like when I meant by that, I could foresee one of them kind of being like a KJ Carter Samuels, you know, like Jeff Lindquist who shows up. Yeah, who just like, who really falls in love with the program, and you know, you know, you know, gives it, you know, gives it a shot every year, but it's just you know not going to be the guy and sticks around. I don't know, maybe. Yeah, you know, and I don't know, man. Like, it, it's tough. The difference though between like, I feel like these guys versus like a KJ Carter Samuels is uh I don't I, I feel like these guys garnered more attention from some of the top like programs in the nation, meaning yeah. that I think they might be more tempted to think on what could have been if they went somewhere else if they were sitting. Yeah. yeah you know, like yeah. even even Ethan Garbers had offers from Georgia and Miami, uh, you know, mm-hmm. Colorado. Like yeah. that sort of thing. Obviously so. Jacob Sermon had offers from everywhere. <laughs> Sam Heward will have offers from everywhere by the time it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, I think that yeah, there will definitely be um, a desire well, uh, you, to, you, for them to get on the field. And if they don't get on the field, that I, I wouldn't anticipate them all being cool with it. Yeah. Well, all these big names are coming into the program, but I think the general consensus is the quarterback play at UW the last five years has been average to above average slightly above average uh yeah like it hasn't been bad but like the, the, the expectations are much higher than it's been and you have a room with jacob eason and his resume and then i mean dylan morris and jacob sermon have sparkling resumes as well ethan garber stood for 71 touchdowns as a senior which high school doesn't mean much as far as how that transitions to college production but at some point the quarterback play needs to elevate itself with this much talent in the room and if Jacob Eason like people want him to come back for a second year but if he's performing like he did against Stanford like he did against Colorado like just you know he's getting the job done for the most part he has some bad games it's not good enough like there's gonna be intrigue like what can Sermon do what can Morris do this is very tempting Micah what you said really actually caught my attention that the fact 
that there is so much talent in that room and no one has risen to the occasion that no one they like even with despite having to beat out so much talent that no one has like kind of risen to the occasion is I mean now that I really think about it is is a lot more troubling than you know you'd like to imagine I guess it is just one year after having you know Browning for four yeah Jake, Jake Browning yeah but that is pretty concerning and I would imagine from people in that in that program is very disappointing to have that kind of talent and say like man we yeah. didn't even make ourselves better like we were probably better at the quarterback position you know in the early weeks than we were by the end of the season yeah I know it's interesting because it, at a certain point I mean I, I try not to kind of go this route but like if you look at so you look at like you said, Jake Browning, sophomore year, Heisman candidate. Yeah, it's junior above year, yeah. doesn't yeah doesn't come back, like doesn't reproduce at that level. And then senior year, people started to get frustrated and think, okay, what went wrong? Uh, Jacob Eason comes in and has some great moments, but he also has, I mean, like you said, plenty uh, of <laughs> like mediocre. Stanford, Colorado, California, all this stuff, right? Got shaky at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so. At a certain point, like, do you start to think not what is it that these quarterbacks can do to improve kind of the level that they've been playing at, but like, what can the coaching staff do to yeah. empower these guys to play at that level? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think people most, started to that was the that most way. polite way possible to uh, to question the coaching staff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I know you would. I know you. Dub has taught me to speak diplomatically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know uh, you're you're careful with your words around the coaches because you like those coaches. But I, I understand what you're saying. Because yeah, fans, absolutely. Fans say they want Jacob Eason back, but what does that even mean? Like it just—it's cool because we have all this. Like UW has all this talent returning, and they have the potential to have a dream season. Well, what does Eason do other than just be a big name in the starting lineup? What does he bring yeah. that makes you believe that? Like, yeah, he'll be improved. He's going to be a better quarterback next year. But Jacob Sermon's a real guy. He's—he's he's a real guy that hasn't gotten a chance yet. And yeah, I just I mean, feel like the leash for uh, Eason is going to be much shorter next year. There's going to be a lot more quick question. tempers. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, question. for sure. That's another year down but, the drain if it doesn't work out the quarterback position. It's interesting. I mean, obviously, this offseason, once Jimmy Lake takes over officially as head coach, I think we'll be telling as to what, like, what the coaching staff feel like went wrong. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, does – I mean, Chris Peterson uh, believed or it seemed like believed in Bush Hamden um, and was willing to, to ride with him these past two seasons – if Jimmy Lake comes in and makes no changes on the offensive side, my inclination would be to think that, well, I'm sure there they feel like there are things that they can tweak on offense, that it wasn't necessarily a coaching problem as much as it was a play problem. And, and of course, I mean, Jacob Eason missed a few deep balls uh, on – oh, I, I just flipped this to the wrong way. Sorry about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but they, they just – he missed a few uh, deep balls uh, on the long side, which uh, – it, it, in the opposite of like golf, where they say never up, never in. Uh, it, if you overthrow somebody, it's never completed. Correct. Exactly. So, um, uh, so I mean, that's one thing that obviously stands out. Um, but I think that, like you mentioned, it, it, if there is no change 
at the offensive coordinator spot. Jake Beeson comes out the gate and struggles against Michigan, uh, and the Huskies are off to a slow start in 2020. Uh, I think that the leash would, in fact, be very short, which is another reason that uh, I know that this isn't what the question was, but if you're Jacob Eason, what's really the point of staying? Let's get the the hell out of here. Yeah. There's zero point. You have to get the sense that, like, the leash... Is very much short and like you, the, you got the a lot period of is over, yeah. nice names that are up the you know in the barrel ready to yeah. go. Yeah, and, and it's definitely not because like he's he, uh, he he's done a good job like positioning himself as a team leader, but he still has that Jake Browning thing going on where it's like I got to take care of myself right now. Like I I got a lot I got a lot of things that could go Certainly. right or wrong if I if I don't play my cards right. So like at first and foremost, I got to make sure I, I prepare myself for uh you know. For life, <laughs> life after 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 yeah. he dubs, so built for life, as they say. Yeah, that's, that's uh, where. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, it's an interesting situation for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think these next, I really think the couple weeks after the bowl game, maybe really even the couple days after the bowl game, will be super interesting. It's, yeah. it's exciting. It's be- it, it might be one of those situations where we record a show, and then like as soon as we post it, there's like breaking news. Breaking news, <laughs> which which happens. Very All the often. time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Pretty much weekly. <laughs> that's sports, man. That's that's, yeah. that's what happens. So, uh, yeah. And and just a lot of star power, of course, uh, going to be signing this Wednesday. Uh, we want to try and find a few players that can be an immediate impact. Um, I think I think this year a lot of fans wanted some of uh, the 2019 players to get on the field more often. So, who knows? Maybe next year we'll see yeah. a lot of more 2020 players. And yeah. It's, it's just just as far as UW's class. I think fans want to see Savelle Smalls right away. They want to see. Um, Jalen McMillan right away. Yes. Uh, and then uh, and then on offensive line, Miles Murrow. Um, those For are sure. you know, like Miles Murrow. This it's just oh Nick Harris is gone. Let's put Mora in. That's easy. I yeah, mean, exactly. Those, it's like, like we had a four year starter at center. I mean, yeah. I guess Nick Harris didn't play center all <laughs> well, those years. Let's get another four year center. I mean. yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it'll be that easy. It's plug and play. Is, is that the three names um, you see though? Like playing right away or yeah, for sure. Those are I think the three most. Uh, I think those are the three names that stand out the most. So I'll try to go and do one better and name three others that could play right That'd be away. awesome, yeah. Yeah. So one that stands out to me is Mark Redman. I think Mark Redman will play yeah. right away for sure. Four-star tight end um, for from Corona Del Mar, which is where uh, Ethan Garbers played his high school football, right? And uh, this Mark Redman fella uh, looks to be in the mold of the Will Disley uh, Drew Sample type of or type of tight end, not like just Gronk. like a big traditional, yeah, not or like or more relevant to the Huskies, like the the Hunter Bryant kind of guy. Yeah. You know, <laughs> this is a guy who uh, kind of sat, or, or, or I guess who? How, how do I articulate it? Right, he is the kind of guy uh, that like w- will line up as basically or like as an extension of the offensive line or as a fullback will kind of be an asset blocking as well as catching passes. Um, a, a very traditional guy in that sense, uh, versatile, uh, exactly the type of guy the Huskies like to use at tight end. Uh, so he's a guy that stands out for sure. Another guy just recently committed to UW or recommitted, that is. Uh, I think Jacoby Covington mm. will be a candidate to get some playing time right away. Um, he is built like kind of a Jimmy Lake corner, you know, like one of those big long guys in the mold of a Keith Taylor or Jordan Miller type of person. Uh, and I know that there is some competition there, um, but it, it, it's interesting. If you look at the 2019 class, other than Trent McDuffie, 
Um, I would say, obviously, with Asa Williams and Cam Williams, or Asa Turner and Cam Williams, those guys were playing at safety. Uh, and, and then you have, um, as well, uh, Cam Fabikulanen. He strikes me as a guy that's kind of like a nickel type thing. I think Jacoby Covington is a true corner and can earn okay. some playing time in that respect. So who, right who, do you, who would he push aside then? Would Kyler Gordon kind of fall the wayside or Dominic Hampton? Or uh, Yeah, I think, I, I assume, I think he'll compete with Dom well. Hampton and Kyler Gordon. I don't think he'll push Kyler Gordon out of the way. And, and he might not even get Dom Hampton out of the way. But what I like, I mean, especially with Jimmy Lake now becoming the head coach. I mean, you saw at times against USC where the Huskies had seven DBs on the field, you know? <laughs> so, uh, I, I think when the Huskies are playing the Cougs in, in USC in teams that kind of employ more of an air raid type of attack, uh, that those are opportunities to get talents, uh, like Jacoby Covington on the field. One more guy that stands out. There's actually two. Sorry, I, I kind of keep going here. Tristan Brown and Jaden Green. These are more boring, but scholarship oh, hunter, that, scholarship long snapper. <laughs> yeah, you know, so those are the specialists. Those guys will get on the field as well. All right, I'm actually yeah, surprised cool. that we went through six names of freshmen and we did not mention a single linebacker who could play. Like yeah, well, what's uh, interesting also, I, well, I was going to say defensive lineman either, but the Huskies don't have a defensive lineman in this class. Uh, yeah. But um, linebacker, y- you know, I think both, like, well, Savelle Smalls, I guess, isn't Perhaps. a linebacker, but not an Perhaps. inside guy. <laughs> uh, but Carson Brenner and uh, Cooper McDonald, inside guys, uh, where the Huskies needed some help, and they'll be losing two starters inside uh, in Welly and Manu. Uh but what's weird is they have like a lot. They have a lot of young guys inside. Jackson, you know, they have yep. Eddie Ulafoshio, Jackson Sermon, uh, Miki Ayu, MJ Tafisi coming back um, to health, uh, most likely this off season. Uh, and then on, on top of that, Ariel Nagata is a guy who's played inside as well. Uh, so, so there are five guys right there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Carson Brenner or Cooper McDonald could get on there, but I, I'm not sure which one it would be. Uh, so for that reason, I guess I didn't throw well, out. Well, Carson Bruner, I mean, like he's he's kind of an IQ driven player. Like, sorry, just that's just that's just his reputation, and and he's listed yeah. at two hundred five. So it's like, man, that just screams like take a year off and build yourself. Yeah, up to be well, you know, but player. a guy who was like that that played as a true freshman is Ben Burkirvan, and he's playing on Sundays now. Yeah, he was he was a little shorter too. He's, it, Carson's a kind of a taller and skinnier. Yeah, he's a little lankier, I guess. But yeah, BBK is a guy who came in. Uh, like he was playing his freshman year at like 210 pounds, and I remember he came in against Oregon and like untouched up the middle, dropped uh, Vernon Adams for a sack, and he's actually the only Husky that tackled Vernon Adams that whole game. True story. So Carson Bruner just, just, not true, just be uh, Ben Beer Curvin. So that's that's all you have to do. So, <laughs> well, I think that's probably one of the more lazy comparisons I've ever made. But I'll stand by. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, WSU commits, I mean, obviously Jane Delora is like the, yeah. the, 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 the jewel of the class. Uh, even, even though you still got a lot of work to do, but like, who are some players like maybe like a running back that could rotate with Max yeah. Borgie or like a linebacker? Like, what are we looking at right now? I don't, I don't know if there's a running back in the class who's, who's really pushing to be one of those guys as a freshman who can play. I think really, you know, obviously WSU is getting a less finished recruit than than UW is, which is why, you know, we're not going to be sitting here and brainstorming nine names. Like, we're barely going to be able to get to three. Yeah. Um, and, and that's no, you know, knock on the recruit. That's just how it works. You know, yeah, the wide these guys are and, redshirting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't I don't have a redshirt who, or a receiver who's 
uh, I think will be competing their true freshman year. Um, I see that very unlikely. But the two guys, I mean, you definitely need help on that defense. So I'm definitely thinking more defense. And outside of Jaden Delore, who's the obvious guy that has a chance to impact his true freshman year. But the the first guy that I have is Johnny Walker, who's listed as an outside linebacker out of Tampa, Florida. Um, a guy that, you know, good old Steve Spurrier Jr., name that carries quite a bit of weight down in down in Tampa, Florida, or down in Florida in general. Um, he's a, a 6'3", you know, 205-pound outside linebacker, but kind of reminds me of a build that, you know, Travion Brown came in with. So I'm thinking there's a possibility that that he could land at any number of positions, whether it be, you know, a rush linebacker, an inside linebacker, um, a nickel maybe even. So I think there's a lot of mobility for him and his versatility, which is, you know, a huge reason why I think he could get on the field. And also, he's an incredible talent. This is a guy who I had an offer from Miami. Um, shoot, I could, I could Boston. I mean, Boston's not that impressive, but you know, shows um, shows good academics. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I Kansas State, um, Missouri, Nebraska. So I mean, there's a lot of good schools that were after this kid as well. U- UCF. Um, so I mean, a, a, a athletic kid. Is he coming and, and in early at all? Versatile. Is he coming? I don't in know January? if he's coming. That would help uh, a lot. Early, which would help. Which would certainly help a lot. No doubt would help a lot. Um, so he's one one guy, and then the other guy that I thought would be Justin Anderson, um, a three-star cornerback, you know, lengthy guy, six one, uh, buck seventy-five, so maybe a little on the lighter side, but that's you know to be expected with a cornerback. But he had offers from Utah, you know, Iowa State. So he also another guy who was was sought after, um, and, and and the Cougar able to land him. And you know, you think of what they have leaving. They already have three. They had three defensive backs who were kicked off. They're losing Marcus Strong. You just have so many openings in that secondary, and they are so desperate to get help in that secondary. You got to think, you know someone's got to take it and, and I think it's probably going to be Justin Anderson and, and that could obviously change a lot with with who kind of emerges as the, the you know more talented guys but I think they're just looking for athletes who can get on the field and, and make a difference and was that, that kid from uh from Gonzaga prep is he still around oh yeah yeah yeah. no I definitely you, you know you have guys like Armani Marsh yeah still. but I mean you would prefer to yeah but hopefully I mean, uh, you're looking to improve justin can you know, the floor. <laughs> upgrade yeah, yeah. exactly you're trying to upgrade you're trying to get more talent in and not to say that money marsh isn't a talented player he's made a ton of strides in terms of where he came in and where he is now but once you get the floor higher and you start developing on that higher floor you know you get you get guys that can reach higher heights so that's what you, you would hope for in a guy like Justin Anderson, which is why you'd like to get him on the field. So just looking at like how this, this recruiting class stacks up with the rest of the country, uh, UW did a good job. They're top 20 in the country. Uh, they have, you know, they got Savelle Smalls. Uh, as long as everybody stays together, that's going to be a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, but I guess, I guess, I guess we're going to start with UW then. Like what's, what, what's the biggest concern for you right now, Luke? Like what, what, what's the, what's the, what's something that could hinder them going forward? You know? Yeah, I think, I mean, one that obviously stands out is just the defensive line recruiting situation. Um, There weren't a lot of guys that they really went after this year. I don't think they were super enamored by, uh, I guess, the defensive linemen in kind of the West Coast or in their geographic recruiting kind of footprint. 
that they could find. I mean, they tried a couple guys in Texas and didn't get anything there. And then uh, Xavier Carlton from Utah, no luck. Um, so that's obviously concerning. I mean, they had a pretty good haul the year before, but you never like to, I guess, leave yourself empty handed in one year. Cause that's kind of what you're at right now with the inside linebacker situation. Uh, I mean, obviously they had some bad luck, like Brandon Cajo, that situation was unfortunate. Camilo Eifler is a kid who transferred that sort of stuff. But now basically at inside linebacker, you have two redshirt seniors that are graduating and then only freshmen, you know? <laughs> uh, so that that's a weird situation to be in, you know? Uh, and th- they could find themselves in a similar situation on the defensive line. Uh, so, I mean, and then you look also on the defensive line, the guys who nominally started uh, were guys like Benning Potawai and Josiah Bronson, who graduated, and then Levi Onzerike, uh, who is a uh, potential uh, early draft candidate, you know, or a guy who will leave early for the draft. Um, so, yeah, th- th- that situation is definitely uh, concerning. Uh, nothing else really stands out a- as an area of concern. Um, I know the Huskies like wanted to bring on one more tight end and they might be able to. Um, but I, I think some of their areas of need included receiver, uh, where they got uh, a few really a awesome lot. pieces, yeah. a solid offensive line haul as well. They got a couple inside linebackers. Um, they didn't necessarily get like the, uh, I guess, the Noah Sewells or any of those kind of West Coast uh, blue chip prospects, uh, but they got two kids that kind of fit what they like to do in there. Uh, so for that reason, I think really the defensive line is the only thing that stands out as a, a miss, maybe, so to speak. Uh, but again, there wasn't a lot that they were really working with. I can certainly rebound from that next year, and last year's uh, yeah. call was pretty good. So Yeah, for uh, sure. And and then so like with WSU's recruiting class, like what what worries you right now? Well, naturally defensive back, and I already mentioned that. But you've lost so many defensive backs since 2017. The number is like up. I, I want to say once it was arm with uh, not Armani Marsh, uh, more. Uh, what was his? Oh my goodness, man! I've already forgotten his first name. Um, One of the JUCO guys. Yeah, the the third JUCO guy. It was up to like 13 defensive backs from the 2017 class on had huh. bowed out and Whether were no be like, longer on the roster. And then, like, Jalen Thompson, obviously, like, he, he's out. Well, yeah, and then, <laughs> I mean, well, he was 2016. or was he Yeah, 15? but, like, this idea so, yeah. of, like, there's a lot of these guys are getting... But so you're losing a ton of defensive backs, and, and you just have to keep adding. Fortunately, th- I mean, this is kind of fortunately and unfortunately, WCU has only 18 commits right now, so you still have room to add on, and obviously they're looking to add on defensive backs. Um you know, you're probably going to see some Juco guys, hopefully some grad transfers. That would be nice or transfers in general, um, any way they can. That's really kind of been the W's way to kind of just scratch and claw mm-hmm. any way they can land a recruit, you know? Um, yeah. What do you think about, I was curious just because of this year's situation where it was Max Borgie, uh, and not necessarily a dependable second mm-hmm. guy. Are you? I mean, I, I also don't know if there are guys in their pipeline uh, that they're looking at at running back. But do you think that that's a concern at all over there? No, I don't. Because I, I think they really like what they have in uh, Dion McIntosh returning, and then they also really like what they have in Juvenzli Bazile. So they have three running backs right there that they feel confident in. Um, be behind that, maybe yeah. I, I think they would like to add on another running back just to kind of have that for uh, you know a more seamless transition. Once you lose a guy like, uh, you know, 
uh, Macintosh because he'll graduate, or and in theory you could potentially lose Borgie after next year. Um, so you want to have guys kind of you know loaded in the barrel. But uh, the, I think for this year, at the very least, they feel pretty good. And and you, you know you bring that up because it's a good point. They don't have a running back in the class right now, um, mm-hmm. and they just had a decommitment from uh, John King. So. Yeah, they're probably looking to add at least one running back, but I wouldn't say it's a concern as much yeah. as defensive backs are. You know? For sure. One player from this class that I think can become a fan favorite very quickly is a Joey Hobart, uh, the Swiss well, it, Army yeah, Knife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, he is like, he has that Kyle Sweet kind of brand Arcanado. He's going to be a slot receiver. And his and, father uh, was a quarterback at UW, correct? Yep, yep. Yes. Which also kind of adds, I, I think story, WCU yeah. fans would like that narrative. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Billy Joe exciting. Hobart. Yes, yeah, Billy exactly. Joe Hobart was his dad. Yeah, yeah. Hobart, that's what Billy Joe Hobart was uh, part of that national championship team, too. Was he? Oh. Yes. Very interesting. So, yeah, um, definitely some, you know, fuel to the yeah. uh, good old Apple Cup fire. No, definitely. I mean, like, you, yeah, there's some, f- like, fun, you know, receiver names, like uh, the Keyshawn Smiths guy who signed pretty recently, like, I think that's he's definitely going to be fun to watch. I don't think he's going to be playing his freshman year, but uh, also uh, Roderick and you know I'm going to botch this out of Salt Lake City. Uh, Taya La, Taya Lavea, I think. Actually, I don't think I did that bad. Taya Lavea, probably. <laughs> Roderick Taya Lavea, a six five, three hundred fifteen pound lineman. I don't know if he will come in and, and compete for one of those guard spots, but. That's also a possibility, too. Uh, a lineman who looks the part coming in year one. Um, I, I don't think they would be opposed to having a kind of lineman who could do that. Yeah, plenty of line spots will be open this offseason, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the 2020 offensive line looks like. Uh, so uh, after uh, getting slammed a couple weeks ago, uh, that was Garner Minshew. He, he, got the, he kind of had a tough return because Nick Foles mm-hmm. got benched. Yeah. And... He he came back. He he won last week against uh, the Raiders it. on the road, so that's positive. But he's also the last game in Oakland too. Yeah, spoiling that for Oakland. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool that Garner Minshew. He, he kind of yeah. adds adds to. Uh, of course, Garner Minshew would you know beat the Raiders for the last time in Oakland. So yeah, he's doing a good job building his brand though. Uh, I, I'm like here's the thing. He's he's doing a good job building his brand, but I do I do not like where this is going. Uh, he's basically gonna make like a clothing line, like some merchandise with his trademarks on it, like Minshew uh, Missi- Mania, Mississippi Mustache. I, I heard, Mississippi I heard Mustache, a rumor that yep. he Minshew for that Magic. Trademark. Yeah, I. What, you don't like that? You don't like him monetizing his brand? He should be in charge of those, of <laughs> uh, you know, the, those uh, slogans because, like, yeah, he, it shouldn't be on. It shouldn't be other people making money off of his name. Exactly. Like, that's, that's, not, that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. But I do feel that. It loses some of the magic. No pun he's intended. He's not in college anymore. He's a pro. He can I, make as much money as he it, wants. I get it. But by doing this, he's almost forcing the issue. Like when everybody else is creating Minshew magic and he's going, oh, shucks, man. This is so cool. This is it, basic it, it economics. There is how supply awesome. and demand. He is just supplying the demand. That is all he is doing. But and he I love himself it. is trying to push it and that, therefore it feels less organic and it almost more corporate. You know, like that's not who he is. Like it, it, it's when the fans get no. behind them, it's re- it's no. really easy 
to support him. It's the and people's movement. What are you talking about? This is at a corporate feel to he's, it. He's, now he's trying to gain something out of it. He's trying to... Exactly. He's a pro. He should be. Isn't this what we're telling <laughs> these kids, too? You should be gaining and when, off when of money these things. Is involved, these cult-like followings. When, when, you, when you put... That's the whole reason of the name image likeness thing. Yeah, yeah. And but thing is like when when people try to make money off of something, it's it's not as innocent. It's not as that we I it's don't not as, I don't want uh, innocence. I don't need innocence. I don't <laughs> like, I don't care for innocence. Can That's not, mania, I mean, like can this Gardner survive or Minshew Mania can survive without its innocence. But how sure. like what's the shelf life on this? Because are we gonna have Minshew Mania when he's twenty eight years old? Like I Well I, it, it depends. Works. It depends on what kind of career he has for sure. If he could develop and become a reliable guy for, for Jacksonville, then absolutely he becomes a huge deal and Minshew Mania exists until he's 28 years old. You think in 2025 we're going to have Minshew Mania still? Like, do, you think, do you think the fans will still be behind this movement? I don't. Like, it, see, the thing is... At some I, point, he's just, just got to be a regular... He's got to be a regular starter. He's got he to take well, care he, of business. He has to put the proof... You know, he has to put the, the proof on the table, you know? Like... He, you you can't just have that hype and, and sell the hope for so you can only sell what I mean is you can only sell the hope for so long. At a certain point, he has to be winning a lot of ball games and leading them to the playoffs and giving him a shot at winning a Super Bowl. But if he can do that, for sure Minshew Mania lives on. No doubt in my the mind. Winning's got to come first. Luke, how do you feel about Garner Minshew uh, kind of making a brand out of uh, Minshew Mania? You know, I I don't have a problem with it. Um, I just. Actually, you know, like I think kind of on the point that you mentioned that I think it'll last as long as kind of success can be associated with his name. Uh, And you just like that is not a guarantee. Right. So you got to take advantage when the opportunity arises. Right. Um, I'm almost surprised it didn't come earlier. Like as soon as he finished at WSU. Right. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But now it's nice because he's established a following not only in Pullman, but in Jacksonville, and then also kind of across the country. I mean, obviously, yeah. he's one of the NFL's kind of golden children right now. And I think uh, that, well, that might also be a point, what you just brought up, if you really do care about innocence, the fact that he did not look to monetize his brand immediately after he had before graduated, he had even or started after he was game. done, and before <laughs> he even started, like, he did allow it to get to a full national level before he started monetizing it, which if you want your innocence, like there it is. He at least waited it to get that big because he could have started a long time ago <laughs> could have hired, and hired would a... have been making a good chunk of change. I mean, not probably not as much as he's making now, but he still would have been making some good pocket change. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there, so there's your innocence. Are you telling me that if Garner Minshew, he makes his own website and starts selling, like, I don't know, Minshew Magic t-shirts for $35, you're not going to be rolling your eyes? I mean, do, what, what your favorite band does that, so what, why Good should I be concerned <laughs> about Gardner Minshew doing it? Well, because Linkin Park doesn't pretend to be this down-to-earth kind of just you know i'm just in it because it's fun like, like a lot of, a lot of these bands they they're they're a money-making machine and they don't pretend they're not you know that's they sell, not true though <laughs> but that's not true like they're even the ones that you know are still like we're not into the whole like Nirvana music. Is they're not we're not into the music merchant. industry <laughs> yet we still sell merchandise like it's merchandise dude come on everyone does this if, he, if who does it who's famous nice. what famous person doesn't have their own merchandise 
I, I just hope he doesn't like just charge fans a lot um, to be a part of the movement because that yeah I mean that's nice that's if, another that's a different thing if he were charging outrageous prices on his merchandise then that's one thing but you know twenty bucks the big baller brand to, of the NFL the, yeah exactly <laughs> I don't think twenty to thirty five dollars for you know whatever he's selling is is that big of an issue yeah he's not gonna be Floyd Mayweather selling yeah. like fifty dollar white t-shirts so come on Micah <laughs> always always trying to find an issue trying to find an angle with Minshew mania I'm I'm this I I, I don't get uh, it and he's also he, you know he's got to connect with his markets too his markets are Jacksonville and Pullman it's not like Los Angeles yeah. and New York right well, people, and it has people really- aren't gonna be dropping fifty dollars on a t-shirt right yeah, I mean, I, I, but I do think that it has elevated itself a little more nationally. I mean, now yeah. that he's in the NFL and has the spotlight of the NFL, um, that that it has. Like, I, I do think there are people who live in New York and watch a guy like Gardner Minshew and hear all the stories of him, you know, parading around in a jock strap and all the epic tales that were before him, even coming to fame in Jacksonville. Like, I think people like that and. And embrace him. So yeah, millennials, they're yeah. fans of or Gen I'm not Z, saying they're, they're he more has fans of huge players. holds in other markets. I'm just saying he certainly has a national presence. Because not like in today's modern era, like people are fans of players, not really teams as much. Exactly. So if a guy like Minshew can kind of uh, create this own this persona, people are gonna uh, rally behind it. And also Mississippi, that's another market that can uh, can exactly. <laughs> can Brand, we're, we're all forgetting about Brandon, Mississippi. Oh yeah, I, mean, I was just talking about the whole state, but yeah, that that town. Well, that too. Yeah. We'll buy a few hundred. So, uh, all right. So Central Football doesn't get a whole lot of buzz in the off season, but their schedule for 2020 was released this past week. I can drop you guys a link in the chat so you guys can see like what games, mm. what teams they'll be playing this year. Yes. And I'll tell you right now. I do not like this schedule. Um, of course the, the, you the, <laughs> the biggest problem I have with it is, like, the season starts on September 5th, all right? So b- between the time the season starts and October 9th, they only play one home game. And that home game, it takes place before students are even on campus. That's half your season right there, and there's pretty much no student involvement. I do not – like, they need, they need to – Spread these away games out more, or like their first home game is like against Simon Fraser, like two weeks before school starts. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, on I, the I, other I, hand, I, three of their four three of the home four. games are when students are on, on campus. Exactly. In, I was yeah. gonna say. I think like there's ultimately there's only so much flexibility that they have. Um, you know, you can't you can't have you know UW has the same issue. If if it were their choice. Would they like to play their home games while the students were there? Yes. Would WSU not like to play at home when uh, they have students leaving for Thanksgiving break? Yes. But just sometimes it doesn't work out that way. So, I mean, I would say to have three of the four out or three of the four home games, you know, while students are there is a plus. And you also have um, a big road game in Missoula which you know, let's face it, most Central Washington fans are more in the uh, more in Eastern Washington and that you know, kind of you know, east of the mountains. So I think there is kind of maybe some appeal to you know that game in Missoula, right on I ninety. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I mean, I don't know, I I think this has a good mixture of you have that big marquee game with Montana, two road one. games in Michigan, 
that's that'll be that'll be a good one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the skill level of Northern Michigan is. Uh, I'll tell you right now, nine of these games Central is going to be the heavy favorite in, and you guys can probably guess the two games they will not be heavy favorites in. They'll be the opposite of that. Uh, probably in Missoula. <laughs> Missoula, yeah. Well, what about like isn't Fair State? Yeah, or is Fair, they they Fair will State? get they will get wrecked in those two games and the other. So they'll probably go nine and two. Sweet. Um, and host the APU is usually a pretty solid program though, right? Which one? Azusa Pacific. Pacific. Yeah. Oh uh, man, when I watched him this past season, I was bad. <laughs> they, well, they, didn't they didn't they win the GNAC? No, no, no. I think they were like third or fourth. I think they, Simon Fraser beat them. Simon Fraser beat Azusa Pacific. Okay, so it just means Simon Fraser is on the rise. That was their one win the whole season. Yeah, I, I think outside of like it means they're a, getting better, um, which is good for the GNAC, I guess. I don't know. I th- I don't see any problems with it. I I like it actually. Um, they I went they one and nine. A little bit of everything. One and nine, and their one win was against Azusa Pacific, who went like four and seven or something like that. So, well, hey, at least the bottom's getting, at least the bottom floor is getting better. Yeah, one game better. All right. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 good for making the playoffs. Uh, when one of your home games against Western New Mexico, I don't know. It's it's a. Uh, it's not the schedule I would have liked to see, but what what is the <laughs> schedule you would have liked to see? I want Micah? to see more teams um, in the South and Midwest. I uh, like Ferris State. Love it, love it, man. Like that's a great matchup that I am really looking forward to. Um, you got Northern Michigan. I could I could care less. MSU Texas. What you have? MSU yeah, Texas have is, is the second one that I'm actually like very intrigued by because okay. that's a team okay, that cool. competes with a lot okay. of uh, teams in Texas. So yeah, game teams of that caliber. I don't want to see Simon Fraser. I don't want to see Montana. I want to see like you know the what? What? the How teams you, that we can face in the about? playoffs. Montana's the marquee game. Uh, yeah. How do you not want Montana? You need that Montana game. <laughs> That's what brings that. What's a win against Montana would make Central Washington relevant. Uh, yeah, immediately overnight. Yes, just it's probably not to, to the inland northwest. I should clarify, not to the world but you know yeah it's not like and, you're gonna buy a ticket I mean, if central beats montana seriously i think you have a good you have three games that are you have two going to michigan one to texas you make a trip out to california and you're in montana i think you have a fantastic schedule i think everyone at central washington is really is in terms of like the administration is probably really pleased with the schedule don't get me started and you gotta this. go up to british columbia <laughs> come on now that's i think a that, long drive. No, i think that's a i think that's a fantastic schedule all right, so it's Central Football 2020. Going to be making the playoffs. Cannot wait to talk more Christian Moore when that time comes. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so uh, we got the Las Vegas Bowl this Saturday. Um, Luke, you going to be there? I-, I will not be at the Vegas Bowl, unfortunately. Oh, that's uh, I wanted to really bad. Um, but the thing is, I wouldn't have been able to leave until Friday after work, and I would have to be home Sunday, right? So it's a lot of effort to go to Vegas. Um, and like, if I... Like, I think if I'm going to spend a ticket or or buy a plane ticket to Vegas, like I'm going to want to do more than just go to the Vegas Bowl. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, of Absolutely. course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, like yeah. so. It's hard, it's hard just to fly in. There it just didn't make sense, especially you know holiday season traveling. It's just it's right. difficult. Yeah. Unfortunately, no. although let it be known that I would have loved to be there. Yeah, because I remember it was like a year you went to every single game, so people just yeah. assume that's just what you're going to do forever. <laughs> I know. It feels like I should be. Like, every game I miss, I, I my heart bleeds a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> all those plane tickets, yeah, it can add up, man. So, uh, oh, But yeah. speaking of ticket sales, the Cheez-It Bowl has been pretty pitiful in, <laughs> in that category. I would suspect They sold, that. Uh, as of recent reports, 2,600 of 8,000, which... Which I don't get because I'm actually kind of way looking forward to this game more than the Alamo Bowl last year. 
I or- well, no, I think WSU fans are excited from like a matchup perspective. I don't think they're excited to go down to Phoenix. You don't think so? In, well, obviously like, we did or not but... for the twenty seventh. You know, deal with like. I mean, I I just don't know. Like usually you want to get there. You know, I guess you can get there a day before the game, but that would mean you know. Leave it on the 26, you know, getting, you know, I don't know. I just feel like it, it is a little complicated. It's around the holidays, after the holidays. Yeah, you got to get the old kids, um, you got to get the families out of your house that we're staying. <laughs> I just don't think it's as appealing as a sell in terms of going to the game. But in terms of watching the game, I think there it is very appealing. And I think a lot of WC fans are interested. Yeah, and we will be watching it. And you will be, you're still consuming it as a fan, right? Yes. That's healthy. Very, try, try. very excited. Yes, that'll, if, if that'll you, be a very healthy. If you thing. can help it, just maintain that status because yeah. it's probably not good to extra stress. So, all right. Well, that does it for this week in Washington football. You can check us out every single Tuesday on iTunes, Google Play, any any podcast platform, really. And uh, and we can keep you updated on the local football scene on Twitter at Micah underscore Chen, at Luke Monger, and at Jackson M. Garner. A very public, very open email is Micah Chen at Yahoo.com. Thank you guys for listening, and we will be back next Tuesday.